Good morning, Grace Gospel Church. Thank you all for coming. This is perhaps the moment we've been waiting for since chapter 12. I want to begin by asking you a question. In your Christian walk, in your walk with God, has there ever been a point in your life when you have been so obedient to God, you have carried out a difficult task exactly in accordance with his word, you have been obedient to his commands and his instructions in his word, you have been faithful in your service, you have been doing everything right in purging former sin and unbelief from your life. You've done the hardest thing that you ever could have imagined. You ripped from your heart the thing you loved most that God did not want you to have. You followed in the footsteps of Christ to the best of your ability. And finally, what happens? An unimaginable trial comes upon you. You've been doing everything right, everything that you know God wants you to do, and suddenly, this trial, you're expecting blessing. You're expecting all sorts of great things to happen from the Lord. You think you have it all figured out. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey, like the old hymn says. And you've been trusting and obeying. And instead of happiness, all of a sudden, what comes upon you is an even greater trial. That's what's happened with Abraham in the passage our brother Gilson has read for us. He had just purged from his life that which was most dear to him, his son Ishmael, if you remember last week in Genesis 21. He had purged that. It was no longer going to have an influence on him, a hold on his life. It was no longer going to be the object of his desire and prayer to God. Oh, that Ishmael might live. Not Isaac, but Ishmael. Now it's all taken away. It's all gone. Abraham, in obedience, in chapter 21, has sent Hagar and Ishmael away. And instead of us reading in chapter 22 that they lived happily ever after, Instead of a happy ending happening right there, what are we going to see? We're going to see yet another trial of faith, but this one's going to be different. There's not going to be any protest, oh, that Ishmael might live. Oh, that I may not have to do what you're asking. There's not going to be any, any secret plan. Uh, he's not going to have Sarah say, Tell God, you're my son. No, you know, and offer Sarah. No, Abraham is going to trust in God. We're going to see how all this works out because we're going to see that God always provides. That's the title of today's message if you like 
titles. And we're going to see how this comes out throughout the message. But first, God is revealed in Genesis 22 as the faithful God who can always be trusted to provide everything that is ever needed by the faithful. And even more, though he doesn't have to, though he's not obligated to when we trust and obey, he rewards that obedience. God is faithful. He can always be trusted by you and I who name the name of Jesus Christ, who have trusted in him as our Lord and Savior. He'll always provide what we need. And then he just puts the icing on the cake. He rewards the obedience. If you're unsaved this morning, if you have never trusted in the gospel of Jesus Christ for your salvation, there is one thing I want you to take away from this morning's message, is that God has provided the means for life from the dead through the lamb that he provided, God's lamb who takes away the sin of the world. If you're a believer in Christ, I'm going to challenge you with two things to take away. I think you can handle it. The first thing is God wants you to always trust that he can provide even at the last moment. It is never too late for God. He has ordained this plan. He knows when everything's going to happen. Nothing takes him by surprise. You can always trust that God will provide even at the last moment. And then also, just like Abraham, in times of dark trial, when God's purposes are not clear, you should continue to walk by faith and obedience until God gives light to reveal his purpose in that trial. Trust him throughout that trial, even when you don't understand, even when you're unsure. Trust in him. God always provides. We're going to see in this passage, God provided the test, and then God provides the lamb and then God does what he always does to the hearts of his children. He provides the reassurance. So let's get right into this and see that God was the one who provided the test. The test comes from God to purify us, as Peter was writing. And our brother Gilson read those verses. It says in verse 1 of Genesis 22, After these things, after what things? After Genesis 21 and sending Hagar and Ishmael away, after those things, manna doesn't fall from heaven. Blessings don't come raining down. After these things, God tested. You would think that Abraham had already been through enough. But no, God knows what's best for his children. After losing one son, Ishmael, now God is going to test Abraham regarding his other son. How strong is Abraham's faith? He said, Abraham, and he said, here I am. This, by the way, this is the same thing Isaiah said. Who will go for us? Whom shall we send? Here am I. Send me. Here am I. And Abraham's going to repeat this a second time later on in this passage. And he said, here I am. I wonder about you and I. When God calls, and we know he calls because his call is found in his word, in the Bible. 
He's called each one of us who have trusted in him for salvation to be his servants. When God calls, do we say, here I am? Are we available? Do we yield to the Holy Spirit to be used by him? And then God said to Abraham, take now your son, your only son. Now, Ishmael was 14 years older. Abraham had another son, but there was only one son of the promise. Take now your son, your only son, whom you love. Whom you love. Apparently from, oh, that Ishmael might live. Forget about this this crying baby, Isaac. Oh, that Ishmael might live. It's now his heart loves Isaac, the child of promise. He says, take him and go to the land of Moriah. Go to, he sends him there. These words, go to, we encountered these before in the Abraham saga. In chapter 12, verse 1, God appears to Abraham and says, go to a land that I will show you. It's the exact same Hebrew word. It's the same English words. Abraham heard those words before from God, and they sent him to the promised land, a wonderful promised blessing, a great land that overflowed with milk and honey that had an abundance in it. God sent him there. But now God, with the same words, sends Abraham to a different place, a place of trial, a place where his faith will be tested and his obedience can be demonstrated. Go to the same words. God sends us where we need to be at any moment to grow in our faith in Jesus Christ. This is what Abraham needed as the final step in his growth in faith and trust in the word and promises of God. And then he says, go to the land of Moriah. I almost could imagine, I'm going to try and use a little sanctified imagination here. It's clearly not in the text. Go to the land of Moriah. And God pauses. And Abraham says, Oh, there's more. Oh, there's more promised land. More land overflowing with milk and honey. And then God says, And offer there as a burnt offering. All right, I love to worship the Lord on one of the mountains of which I'll tell you. And Abraham starts to put all this together. Wait, offer Isaac, my son, my one and only son whom I love, offer him as a burnt offering. Tests come from God. God allows them. He brings them to purify us. They are like the refiner's fire. This is the whole point in Romans 8. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We, we, we love that verse, but the very next verse, verse 29, tells us why 
all things work together for good. Because he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. All things work together for good because they make us more Christ-like. God can use them to make us more like Jesus Christ. This is the point. After that verse, go and offer Isaac, where Abraham's theology now becomes practice. The rubber meets the road, as the expression is. In Genesis uh, 18, recall Abraham is haggling with God over the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he makes this great statement about God. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? This is what Abraham believed. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Well, if that's true, Abraham, then when God says, take Isaac, your one and only son whom you love, go to Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering to me. What that must be. It must be right. There can't be anything wrong about it. This is Abraham's theology. This is what he said he believed. This is what he espoused with his mouth. He said he believed it, but does he really believe it? This passage shows in Genesis 22 whether he believed it or not. A test requires obedience if we are to pass it. The next morning, Abraham rose early. He didn't wait. Oh, let me wait a little longer. You know, the sun's only just now coming up. Let me, let me wait till it's fully above the horizon. No, Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey. He took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split wood. Abraham split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. A test requires obedience in order to pass it. We don't pass a test without obedience. Everything that Abraham would realize only came about as God will say in this passage because Abraham obeyed. Trials can be long and they can be personal. But in each trial, God ought to be our focus. Notice it's on the third day. This wasn't just a short little hike. They traveled through some rough territory for three days. On the third day, Abraham raises his eyes and saw the place from a distance. He wasn't even there yet on the third day. There it is. And if you've done any... Uh, uh, backpacking or hiking in wide open spaces you can pick out something in the distance and you think okay another half a mile another two miles but it's 20 miles away it looks closer than it is from a distance he sees this there's still more to go he had all this opportunity to turn back and ignore the command of God but he continues on. Abraham said to his young man, men, while still at a distance, stay here, stay here. You know, often in a trial, we have to walk it alone. 
Abraham did it with Isaac. The trial was for both of them, not just Abraham. And while we would sometimes appreciate the encouragement and help of brothers and sisters, sometimes they're just not going to understand the trial that you are going through. doesn't mean we shouldn't try and come alongside to help. Other scripture tells us we should. doesn't mean we shouldn't be praying for the one going through trials. We ought to. But there is an aspect to every trial that you have to walk alone. It is your trial. It is not my trial. And my trial is not your trial. And so Abraham and Isaac go on. And in this trial, his goal is to worship God. We will worship. And then notice this great statement of faith. We will worship and we is the idea there. We will return to you. He fully believed. God gave him that command. Sacrifice Isaac. He knew what that meant. That was death. In fact, if slaying him was not enough, it was a burnt offering. There was wood. The whole body was going to be consumed in fire. And yet, what did Abraham say here? We will worship and return to you. Not I will return to you. We will worship and return. That's the trust and faith that Abraham now has in the promise of God that God had given to him. He tried to fulfill that promise in the flesh and Ishmael was the result and heartache was the result. Problems were the result. But now he's fully trusting in the promise of God. He doesn't know how it will happen. God didn't tell him ahead of time, don't worry about it, I'm going to raise Isaac from the dead. Or he didn't say, don't worry about it, I'll provide a lamb. You'll see the lamb with its horns caught in the thicket. No, that was only after the fact. He fully trusted that if God said something, God would do it, God would bring it to pass. That was his faith. Billy Graham was once asked by a non-believer, a skeptic who ridiculed the Bible. Billy Graham was once asked, do you really believe that a whale swallowed Jonah? And Billy Graham said, of course I do. It's in the Bible. And he said, how could you believe that? And Billy Graham said, look, if it was in the Bible that Jonah swallowed the whale, I'd believe that too. God said it, I believe it. That settled it for Billy Graham. That settled it for Abraham. Trials are a burden that must be borne. There's no easy way. That's why they're called trials. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac. And then he also took the hand, Abraham took in his hand the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Trials are a burden that must be borne. There's no shortcut. There's no easy way. I mean, some people, uh, well, you know, when I was a lot younger, it was instant coffee and instant tea. People like things very, very quick. Now we seem to be more coffee snobs and connoisseurs of coffee. But there's no instant trial. 
There's no instant way out of a trial. It's a burden that must be borne if we are to become more like Christ, have our faith deepened like Abraham's faith was deepened. Trials often have unanswered questions. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? I mean, they're not going to find a lamb wandering around uh, in, in the wilderness, in the countryside. Why would they ever find a lamb? You bring your lamb with you. Trials often have unanswered questions. Read the book of Job. That was some trial. And at the end, God didn't explain to Job why the trial came upon him. Sometimes we're not going to know. All we need to do is trust in God, in the character of our loving Heavenly Father. We know that when it comes to His children, our Father in Heaven is too loving to ever do anything unkind and too wise to make a mistake. When you're going through the, when the trial comes upon you, there may be a question why? Why this? Why me? Why not someone else? Well, wishing a trial on someone else. I'm not going to go there. Going through the trial. Why is this not ending? There's unanswered questions. When you come out the other side, shining, glorifying the Lord, you still may not know the answer. And that's okay. And it probably won't matter then because your faith will be deepened. Your trust in God will be unshakable. God provides everything we need in a trial. Abraham said, God will provide for himself a lamb. Now, I put God in red because I wanted to call attention to it. The Hebrew language doesn't form sentences the same way English does. In Hebrew, this says, will, uh, would normally say, not here in this case, would normally say, will provide God a lamb for himself. God doesn't come first. Whenever the subject of the sentence comes first, that's for emphasis. The Hebrew writer goes out of his way to form the sentence just the way we would in English. It's emphatic. It is God and no one else but God that will provide. Only God is the source of all provision. Remember what happened to Nebuchadnezzar? Babylon the Great, which I have made. After he was told God raised him up and put him in this position. Babylon the Great. And God strikes him down. If you're a shrewd businessman, uh, if you have skill in some area that you practiced and worked hard at and God has given you success in whatever area of life it is God who has done it through you it's God who does it in spite of me always give all the glory to God never take any credit or glory for yourself Paul says, what do we have 
that we did not receive. And if we received it, why do we boast as if we did not receive it? Everything we have comes from God. Every good thing. Always give him all the glory. Don't ever pat yourself on the back. Don't ever dig into your pocket and, oh, I got an attaboy there. Oh, an another one. Attaboy, Paul. No. No attaboys. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. God will provide a lamb. Provide, it, this is actually, literally, the Hebrew says, God will see to a lamb for himself. God will see to it. God will see to it. And this, this becomes rather interesting when we get down to verse 14. But God will see to everything in your life. There's nothing hidden from his gaze. He sees it all, and he will make sure and see to it that you have everything that you need to glorify him in any trial that comes upon you. God not only provided the test or the trial, God also provides the lamb. God's provision, though, is only recognized after obedience in the case of Abraham here and in our trials as well. They came to the place which God had told him. They obeyed. They went on that long journey. Abraham built the altar, as God told him to do, and he arranged the wood for the burnt offering, as God had told him to do, and he bound his son Isaac. I wonder what Isaac was thinking at this point. No lamb, I'm tied up. Now, he wasn't carrying that wood. I mean, Abraham's 100 years old, and his body is as good as dead, the Scripture says. Certainly, this perhaps 16-year-old boy could have run. But in obedience, he's bound. Abraham lays him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretches out his hand, takes the knife, raises it, and he's ready to plunge it into the chest of Isaac. There's no provision from God yet. I can imagine what's going through Abraham's head. Hebrew tells us. We read those verses together. Even though no one had ever been raised from the dead in Scripture, in the history of man prior to this, no one, Hebrews tells us that Abraham believed that God was able to raise Isaac even from the dead. Now, that is faith. It's never been done before. There's no story of it. There's no account of it. But he believed it. The provision of the ram is only going to be seen after all this obedience. Everything that Abraham did was in obedience to what God told him to do. And as a result, what will happen? God speaks at the right moment, and we must respond to that. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham. Again, repetition. This is important. Listen up, Abraham. Stop. And Abraham says, once again, just like he did when God first spoke at the beginning of this chapter, here am I. He's available to God. To listen to God 
and then do what God wants him to do. God's words keep us from heartache. Could you imagine if Abraham said, not now, Lord, I'm busy doing what you told me to do. God's words keep us from heartache. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. I know that you fear God. I know that you obey me, in other words, since you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. God's words are intended to keep us from heartache. The words of this book are intended to keep us from heartache. Had Abraham followed God's instructions and trusted God, he never would have had the heartache of sending Ishmael away. What is there, if anything, in your life or mine that we withhold from God? Is there anything? I hope there's not. I hope we spend time examining our hearts, brothers and sisters, before the Lord to see if there be anything. I could see at the end of chapter 21, Abraham thought, oh, there's nothing now. My heart is totally devoted to the Lord. Oh, yeah? What about Isaac? You have purged all the Ishmaels from your life. Is there yet an Isaac that you have not yet consecrated and devoted to the Lord? to be used by him and him alone for his glory. God's words are intended to keep us from heartache, just like they did to Abraham here. God provides what man cannot. Had Abraham not been obedient, he never would have seen this miraculous provision. Then God raised his eyes and saw, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham raised his eyes and saw the exact same word that Abraham uttered to Isaac. God will see to it a lamb for himself. Abraham saw. God provides what man cannot. What man could have caused a ram get caught in a thicket by its horn. But God did. God provides what man cannot. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation, if you're trusting in your own provision, your own good works, your own good deeds your own love for everybody, your church attendance, even your attendance here at Grace Gospel Church, if you're trusting in your prayers, if you're trusting in your giving, if you're trusting in anything but God's provision of God's Lamb, behold God's Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. God provided a lamb, not for his own sin because he's sinless, God provided a lamb. Just like he provided a lamb so Isaac might live, God provides a lamb so that you might live. And he provided his own son. He spared Abraham's son 
but he sacrificed his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ, on the cross, bearing the sins of the world in his body, shedding his precious blood and dying. God provided what man could not. There is no way anyone can ever work their way to heaven. The scripture says it. He saved us not on the basis of deeds done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. The scripture says, for by grace you are saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You can't boast before God. The scripture says, all our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. But God's lamb takes away the sin of the world. Would you trust in that? Would you change your mind about what you think, what you're thinking about how you get to heaven, how you spend eternity with God and Christ, and trust in God's Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. God's character seen. Seeing God's character in action. Knowing God more deeply and intimately. God's, God's character seen is always the result of passing a test. Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. The Lord will see to it. And as it's said to, the, to this day, Moses writes a little commentary here. Moses writing maybe six or 700 years after this happened in Abraham's life. Moses says, even to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. In the mount of the Lord, it will be seen. Only when you're with the Lord. There's a mountain in every trial. Trials are not just a valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? God is with David, for thou art with me. There's a mountain in the valley of every trial, and that mountain is God. And he will see to it. He will provide for you. He will see that you are able, if you choose to, in the power of his spirit, to come through that trial successfully. In fact, you could translate the Hebrew there, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided a little differently, and it would be perfectly fine to do that. Here's how I might translate it. In the mountain with the Lord, it will be seen clearly. See, we'll never understand. We may not always get an answer as to why a trial comes upon us, a specific answer, but only when we're with the Lord do we have any chance or opportunity to see clearly the purpose of his trials in our life. In the mountain with the Lord, it will be seen clearly. The psalmist, Asaph, Psalm 73, has that same thought. He's thinking about why do the wicked prosper, but the righteous sometimes are going through all these trials and troubles in life. And he said, when, when I thought of understanding this, why the wicked prosper, but sometimes the righteous have it so difficult. It was troublesome in my sight until I entered the sanctuary of God, the house of God, 
the temple where his glory dwelt. He was with the Lord in the house of God. Then I understood. He says the same thing. And in the mountain of the Lord, it'll be seen clearly. In every trial, brothers and sisters, draw close to the Lord and you will see clearer than you've ever seen before. You'll start to understand some of what he's trying to accomplish in your life. The things he's trying to remove and the things he's trying to build up in you to make you more like Christ. And lastly, our third point, God provides the reassurance. God becomes more real after a test or a trial. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven. God didn't have to do that, call to him again, but he did. God becomes more real, just like with Abraham. He might have thought, oh, the Lord's forsaken me. Where is the Lord? I heard his voice four days ago before I set out, but I haven't heard his voice. God seems distant. God seems nowhere around. And then Abraham realizes God is there. He provides the lamb. And then the full reality of God, communication and fellowship with God takes place. The angel of the Lord called to him a second time. Do you think God was real to him in that moment? I mean, the lamb's a blessing. And sometimes we focus on the blessing instead of the blesser, the gift instead of the giver. I'm sure Abraham's eyes were riveted. It's, scripture says he saw the ram. I mean, I'd be overjoyed too if I were a father about to slay my son and God provides the lamb. But now, from the lamb, his gaze goes up. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven. God's reassurance comes only after obedience. God is going to reassure Abraham here with the same promises that he's repeated several times already in the previous chapters. But that reassurance only comes after obedience. Abraham, uh, God says, I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done and have not withheld, because you have done and not withheld. He did exactly what God had asked him to do. It seemed incomprehensible. He didn't understand how could this be right and true, but the judge of all the earth always does right. He put his theology into practice, and he didn't withhold his one and only son Isaac from him. God gives as much repeated reassurance as we truly need. He says, I have sworn... And then he repeats his promise that he had given to Abraham several times already. I will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and the sand which is on the seashore. All of God's faithful promises, all of them will come to pass. He goes on repeating another part of the promise. In your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. See, obedience was key here. God says why. It wasn't enough to just say, I have faith. I'll even saddle the donkey. I'll split the wood. I'll get this whole, this whole uh, process in motion. 
oh, three days out, I'll keep on going. I'll get there. I build the altar. I bind Isaac. I put him on it. I kick the knife away. And it goes down a hill. No. You see, he didn't just talk about believing. He actually followed through and would have done exactly what God had told him to do had God not stopped him. Because you have obeyed my voice. Brothers and sisters, God's faithful promises will come to pass in your life just like they did in Abraham's. If you obey, if we obey. True faith in God always realizes its deepest hope. In verse 5, Abraham had said to the young men, Stay here, I and the lad will go over there and worship and we will return to you. That's what he had said. And in verse 19, so Abraham returned to his young men. Clearly Isaac does as well because Isaac comes up again in the story of Abraham's life. It happened just the way Abraham had hoped. His deepest hope and desire. And he knew it by faith because Hebrews tells us. By faith Abraham when he was tested offered up his only begotten son. It was him in whom it was said, in Isaac, your descendants shall be named. For he considered that God was able to raise people even from the dead, from which also he received him back. Abraham knew that he would return with Isaac by faith. And Abraham and Isaac returned. True faith in God always realizes its deepest hopes. When you have true, proper faith in God, that faith and the hopes that go with it will always be realized in your life. It's when we have wrong ideas about God or when we want a blessing of God to consume it upon our own selfish desires. We may not realize that. God may keep that from us. What parent gives harmful gifts to their children? In conclusion, we've seen that God is revealed as the faithful God who can always be trusted to provide everything that is ever needed by the faithful and rewards their obedience. Again, I'd like to address anyone here who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who's never trusted in his completed work on the cross. God has provided the means for life from the dead through his lamb that he's provided, if you would trust in it. When I'm done, someone will come up here and they will share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. If you haven't understood it from me today, I trust and pray the Lord will open your ears to the words that he will have to say. For the believers here, remember, God wants you to always trust in him and he can provide for you even at the last moment like he did with the ram in Abraham and Isaac's life. And then remember these words. There'll be a slideshow on the website. You know, take a screen capture of it if you have a computer or a phone. Uh, write these words down and, and prayerfully meditate on them. In times of dark trial, when God's purposes are not clear, you should always continue to walk by faith 
and obedience until God gives light to reveal his purpose for the trial. Just continue on in faith. Remember, Abraham continued on in yo-yo faith for 25 years before he saw the birth of Isaac. You and I also just need to continue on in faith and trust in God. Let me challenge you with this. If, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, will you believe that God has provided the Lamb whose sacrifice provides eternal life? There's only in life, there's only eternal life in Christ's sacrifice, in nothing else. Will you trust in that today? I hope and pray that you will. For the believers here today, will you begin to obey God in all things and to trust in him to know when to bring his promises to pass in your life? Leave it in his hands. There's no better hands that your life and your future can be in but in his hands. I know if my life and future is in my hands, I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to fumble it. I'm going to drop it. But God never drops the ball. He never fumbles anything. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, how we thank you for this precious passage and its precious truths. And oh dear God, uh, we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would help us to always trust in you that we would believe in the promises of your word and even the darkest trials of our life you know lord we hope and pray and trust that you will always bring us through shining out of the other side of a trial glorifying you and praising you and we know you will do this for you are ever faithful we thank you so much for all that you are and all that you've done for us. We thank you that you have provided a lamb to be sacrificed in our place, your beloved son. And we thank you so much for that greatest of all gifts, and we praise you forever for it. Amen.